All right, in three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, my name is Nate, and with me is my co-host. It's also Nate. Yeah, we're here to do that thing that we do bi-weekly, yeah. and by God, we're going to get it done. Record that goddamn podcast that for you. Goddamn podcast. Whether it be coronavirus, or Trump rallies, or Saharan dust clouds, <laughs> the Nate cast must get through. Well, we gotta do yeah. it. Like Postman, except we don't deliver anybody's mail, we just deliver our idea. And sometimes we just say fuck it and we disappear for like <laughs> years. Yeah. <you> know? <laughs> <laughs> when the world needed the most, they said fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean that nobody needs us? Is that why we're back? No. <laughs> well, okay. That's Yeah. I don't want to believe that either. Yeah. I think the world needs stuff like this more now than, than ever before. Yeah. Just two white dudes sitting in a room talking into mics. About what are we gonna talk about today? Ah, yes, Nathaniel? what are we gonna talk about today? Today we are going to be talking about something that you have studied for a long time. And you have transcribed into your brain's annals. This is like this is like a horrible subject where it's like, do you want to talk about it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. But I know that there's like a whole fucking category of people that just know more about this than I do, who are just like they're waiting, they're waiting oh, in the yeah. wings to destroy me and just be like, no, you're wrong. It was actually this person. <laughs> Yeah, I no, know. that I, hey, I, I, I invite that because that means we could probably get one of those weird nerds on the podcast. Just make fun of him. Yeah, let's make fun of him. Yeah. Let's make fun of people. Um, before we jump into the Lord of the Rings, I would like to say that, thankfully, we've had to wait two weeks to do this podcast. There's not so much terrible shit that happened in that space of time to where we felt the need to record again for three well, weeks yeah. in a row. I would say that, you know, there's probably a standard level of horrible things happening all over the world still, you know. Yeah. A pretty, like, you know, just not in our little sphere of reality. Yeah. Except for, you know, Trump came to town, and that went hilarious. Yeah, that was amazing. Definitely the highlight of 2020 for me so far. I, like, I've seen people get boxed out on shit before, but that was monumental. <laughs> yeah, just, like, sitting at work, and, like, first thing I see... Somebody posting on Facebook like, oh, they're taking down the outdoor stage because there's not enough people at the rally. And that, I'm like, oh, that's, that's kind of funny. And people started posting pictures from inside the rally. And I'm like, that's not 19,000 people. It's not even like 10,000 people. It was like eventually 6,200 6, people. Yeah, I remember, I remember the beginning of it. I kept hearing reports of like, it's only like 1,100 people. Yeah. Because apparently a bunch of them were still at testing staging so they it was just a slow trickle in but once they got everybody in that wanted to be in yeah, well, that was it that was it it was like oh yeah oh yeah no, i made me really happy the, the video of like trump coming back from like the fucking rally Dude, looking like crushed. shit rushed but you know i also saw somebody on facebook say like that's what anybody looks like after spending a night in tulsa and i'm just like yeah 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 <laughs> it, I, it I fucks you it. up it's a draining it's experience constantly draining experience yeah but also we have to be fair to be fair that like that 6200 number is from the tulsa fire department who are known trump haters and anti-trump conspirators so fair yeah that, but that could also be seeing the photos that could be fake news it's pretty believable yeah. <laughs> um hey hate loss that's that's it's a it's a good it's a good little battle though uh, i guess we won there yeah, it was like called a battle one, but it was definitely just worth it for the humor. Oh, for sure. Yeah, gives us tons of a uh, tons of ammo. And what blows me away is like it's another like irrefutable 
talking point. Like, it's something that I can point at and just be like, hey, look, this rally was hardly full at all. And a, a Trump supporter will just come up with some reason why, like, it's not his fault that, like, the rally wasn't full. Like, oh, it was the Antifa thugs intimidating everybody. Or all these people bought out tickets. And it was a general admission, like, yeah. rally. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's so many things you can just call Trump out on that his supporters will just not be willing to recognize as reality because it just disagrees with them. Yeah. I, th- I think a statement that applies to that is something you said to my brother when arguing about 9-11, which was, Oliver, can you just sit there for a moment and just accept the fact that maybe people just do bad things? <laughs> yeah, like, I think I think that that's an odd, an odd, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? That's an odd, like, thing that I feel like a lot of conspiracy theorists are actually looking for structure and, like, security in their worldview, in the world around them. And I think they actually get a little sense of security and structure from the idea that there is, like, there actually is somebody in control of everything. And they may be, like, doing bad things, but the world is not chaos. It's just, like... It's there is control, yeah. When like every so often, like it's it, like it it it, it 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 could be seen as more terrifying the idea that like no, there could just be a small dedicated group of people that could like fly an airplane into a building. Yeah, yeah. That 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 is a horrifying reality. <laughs> like, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You want to talk about Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth? Uh, yeah. Before before we do that, though, oh. I would like to announce that. Uh, this podcast may be the last time we get to do a what's Oliver up to now for a long time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because Oliver might be only up to one thing for a long time after this. Yeah, he. Uh, so I guess the question is, what's Oliver up to now? Well, yeah. he is enlisted in the Army National Guard. Uh, as is where I, <laughs> I know it's, it makes it makes me <laughs> chuckle. Um, as whereas I don't agree with his decision to join the National Guard, uh, especially at a time like this. Um, I do support the fact that he's doing something he's wanted to do for a really long time, though, for once, just like actually going out and actively pursuing something he wants. You think he's going to hack it? Oh, God, I don't know. Yeah? Yeah, I I lived in fucking boot camp for five and a half months. He's going to be in it for probably like 10 12 weeks and that'll be interesting to see what comes of that yeah yeah so yeah that's what Oliver's up to now he'll be fine yeah he'll be okay he's fine he's a tough cookie are you ready to have to Molotov your brother when the class wars begin I'm just gonna walk up to him and just give him a big open mouth kiss (laughs) (laughs) gay boy just make everybody just real confused and worried (laughs) why are these two burly men who look very eerily similar what is happening? Uh, I'm really sad I don't have like a full armor kit that I couldn't just show up to like a protest at and just try to challenge TPD to like send out a champion. We, oh, dude, <laughs> I've been thinking. Oh, I've been thinking about like having you transcript a letter to send to like TPD. Like I, 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 I contact I, like the fucking yeah, the Tulsa Police Department, like fucking commissioner, and be like. 
Here's my cartel and challenge yeah. and like my proof of fucking like a heritage. Like, <laughs> here's a time, here's a place, here's like the rules of the duel. Mail him a glove and be like, I yep. have sent you my gauntlet. Send me your strongest four fighters. I will yep. send myself. It's just like, oh. <laughs> yep. P- you are a champion, bud. Pick one. Yeah. I'm really fat and I'm really out of shape, but I could probably beat up one riot cop. Easily. I don't know. Especially if you're, both gear. On, yeah, if, you, if you're both on an equal playing field. And hey, hey, not even that. I might get my ass kicked, but just so I can, like, try to beat up a riot cop, what an opportunity. <laughs> what an absolute what joy. What an experience, you know? <laughs> Probably write a book about it. Yeah. Why I beat up a riot cop. One page. Yeah. I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, though, is that I start the win, I'm just going to get self-defensed by, like, 80 other cops and, like... Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Pussies. They, they broke the agreement of the cartel. It's true. Yeah. It's Fucking true. dicks. All right. So yeah, uh, that, that's the last What's Oliver up to now for a while. Uh, to supplement that, we're going to be doing What's Going Down with Justin, where I will call uh, my banquet chef Justin and ask him what he's down to. And I All told right. him about this, and he laughed. He goes, you know, I'm just going to talk about cornholes for like 10 minutes each time. Like, that's great. Fine. That's all I want. <laughs> People will, for some reason, listen to it. He, he does woodworking, and he's been making a lot of money just selling these cornhole sets that he builds. And that's it. And that's all he talks about at work. He's like 25. It's great. And speaking of which, you know who we should get on here to talk about things like Lord of the Rings and woodworking Paul? and glass napping and Is ancient it... Greek history. I'm feeling Paul. <laughs> <laughs> we, need to, we need to have a Paul cast. Man. We seem to have like a four hour long podcast just us talking about Paul and getting wasted. Oh, yeah. Talking with Paul and getting wasted. Oh, yeah. Uh, I... So I guess that's that's a good segue into it. One of my favorite memories of Paul is his bardic competition um, where he recites the part about, uh, I want to say Karn from the Semerillion. Not Karn, sorry. Korn? You know, that, that's Warhammer 40. That's yeah, Warhammer, Warhammer 40. Fuck. Why am I getting my mythology? Morgoth? Morgoth, is, yes. Is, is, is it the story of Fingolfin and Morgoth? Yes, is the story yeah. of Fingolfin and Morgoth. Yeah, that story is so good. Oh, he does it so fucking well. Yeah, and there's, and there's three different versions of it. There is like a, if I'm remembering correctly, I think these are all canonical, but like there's a, uh, the like novelized, if you want to call it that, version of it in the Cimmerillion. I believe there's also a poetic, like, verse version of the Cimmerillion, which is my favorite. It's, like, one of my, like, favorite poems. It's awesome. And, like, fucking... And then there's an actual, like, verse, like, song version of it also. But, yeah, in, in the verse version, it like... Oh, God. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to massacre this story because I was really depressed Go when I read it. the Cimmerillion. And I wasn't really paying attention. But, fuck, have you tried reading the Cimmerillion? It's, like... It's, it's a workout. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, it was like Fingolfin, and I think his brother were two of the elves that like came from across the Sundering Seas to Middle Earth for some reason. I can't remember if they were like trying to get back one of the Silmarils from Morgoth or what. But Fingolfin's brother, I believe, gets slain by Morgoth, and then Fingolfin is uh, not too pleased about this. And I think if it's Morgoth's fortress at Angbon, like Morgoth's fortress, but uh, Fingolfin like rides there, like approaches the gates, and, like smites upon like the gates of this fucking fortress, and all of Morgoth's cronies are on like the top of the gates, looking down, like making fun at him, like eh, elf pussy boy, <laughs> whatever it is that like 
orcs do. God bless him. <laughs> and like Finkelfin like smacks upon the gates and like calls like Morgoth forward. It's like nothing happens. Like he smacks upon the gate and like calls Morgoth a craven in front of like all of his legions. And nothing happens. And he like smacks upon the gates and calls Morgoth forward a third time. There's like a whole ass like line break and just a singular line that says like. And Morgoth came, and it oh like, it's like it's like a fucking bass drop in the poem because it goes into like this. The next stanzas are the gates opening and like Morgoth walking out as this like 70, 80 foot tall, like head to toe midnight black armor, like avatar of fucking evil, the gigantic <laughs> shield and the gigantic mace and like the fucking uh, the battering ram they used to break into Gondor. Yeah, 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 the wolf, the wolf yeah, thing. That's supposed to be a recreation of Grand, like, uh, fucking Morgoth's, like, mace. Oh, shit. Yeah, so, like, just to give a sense of, like, scale. And so, and Fingolfin's, like, a fucking elf. Yeah. And Morgoth's, like, all right, bitch. And they start fighting. Morgoth beats the fuck out of him. Of course. <laughs> like, <laughs> naturally. Like, I, like, I wish I could tell you about the, this, like, epic fight, and there was an epic fight, but it ends with, like, Fingolfin getting his ass thrashed by, like, an 80 foot tall monster like you do yeah but uh he like wounds morgoth's foot and like that terrifies morgoth because like he'd never been wounded before and he never came forth from like his uh his uh big ass fortress ever again so it's like so so what, what ended up being the fate of morgoth oh oh uh i know that later on uh god it was luthien and baron like the first, the first like elf human couple. Uh, I think it was like, oh god, I can't. There's so much to remember about this shit. <laughs> One of them was imprisoned. I think it was Baron, and like Luthien went to rescue him from Morgoth, and then like they stole the fucking Silmaril from Morgoth's like crown, and I think that was what ended up killing Morgoth. I can't remember. A sense. lot to remember, uh, but not Lord of the Rings is nuts, and like I'm kind of um, focusing on, like th- like that's definitely like Lord of the Rings extended universe, right? Uh, which is pretty pretty hard to get into, just because like it's it's uh, the the even like the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit are not the like easiest books to read. Uh, there it's, it's kind of like, in my opinion, reading, uh, a play or something Yeah. or like trying to read Shakespeare. You have to like kind of shift gears cause it's not written in a, like a really accessible fashion. Yeah. And you're, a lot of things are thrown at you. I'd really like to go through a like oversized physical copy of the trilogy with like a highlighter and a pen as I'm reading it and like take notes and do a really active reading of it. That sounds actually super fun. Um, but yeah, I've done a couple of school projects for like Lord of the Rings so far. I'm in the middle of one right now. I should be working on it at the moment, but like whatever, it'll get fucking done. Um, yeah, like I, what I'm working on right now is comparing and contrasting the theme of courage between the Lord of the Rings trilogy and Dune by Frank Herbert. So, okay. So. How does that coming so far? What are you fine? Um, it's like any fucking Lord, it's like any school project. I'm just kind of like pushing it inch by inch towards the goal line, right? But I don't know. It's work. I don't know how good it is. Uh, I haven't really had a lot of time to really dig into my source material like I need to this week. 
Uh, but, God. So, I think it's really interesting, and, like, reading some of the source material I have on, uh, like, the themes of Lord of the Rings, I got into this really interesting... I wish I had it on me so I could just pull it up, but there's this researcher who writes this paper about the, like... <laughs> Variants in different characters in Lord of the Rings from quote-unquote being like novelistic heroes to traditionally heroic heroes right. and the distinctions between the two. And that was really interesting to read about. He was basing it on this scale that this dude named Bakhtin came up with in the 80s on like the, the characteristics of novelistic heroes, like modern-day fiction heroes and traditional epic heroes like uh, the hero from like uh, Beowulf, uh, yeah. Homer, those kinds of things. And uh, it was interesting to see on this like Bakhtinian scale the breakdown between like the heroes with really novelistic and really heroic qualities where you have like the elves on, on one far end of the spectrum like Legolas and like Gandalf and to a certain to a lesser degree also like Aragorn they come into the world and they come to all the problems and the conflicts in the story completely prepared to deal with them like Legolas never really suffers any inner turmoil or like moral battles or lack of energy or anything like that in the actual series right he's he's superhuman um, Aragorn took a certain extent, you know, like the, the part where they go to walk the uh, the paths of the dead in the the mountains between Rohan and Gondor. Uh, yeah, between uh, Rohan and Gondor. Like whenever Aragorn goes to like walk the paths of the dead, everyone keeps telling him like this is a suicide mission. Like, yeah, 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 you're going, you're going to die. And never for a second is he like scared. He's just like, well, this is my destiny, so I'm going to go do it. And because this is my destiny, I'm just not even going to think about it. It's just what I got to do. No conflict. Now, Aragorn does have, like, other conflict, especially romantically, like, in the, uh, the the series. But you have, like, that on one end. Then you have the hobbits kind of in the middle. Yeah. Because you have, like, Sam. Sam. Sweet boy Sam. But Sam, Sam is a sweet boy. And Sam goes to the war. And he's, like, kind of traumatized. Then he gets back home to the good old Shire. It's fine. Like, he just snaps back to being a regular-ass hobbit. Uh, Merry and Pippin are kind of the same to a degree, but because they drank all the, like, fucking end drought yeah. with Treebeard, they're, like, the like five-and-a-half-foot-tall hobbits or something. They're fucking, like, gigantic hobbits. And they have, like, you know, one's a knight of Rohan, one's a knight of fucking Gondor, like... You know they're they're war heroes and they're but still like they get really accepted back into the Hobbit community even though they had some changes done to them, changes that, like happened to them. Frodo comes back from the fucking like quest way far on the novelistic like side of things. Yeah. Um. You know, like one of some of the key determining characteristics of novelistic heroes are things like, uh, you know, he he didn't really have a choice whether to go on this quest or not. He's kind of forced into it. Yeah, it's completely unprepared the whole way through, and one of the things like a few months ago when I started going back through the Lord of the Rings for the first time in a few years was realizing that in the third book, even like in a lot of the second book, it's Sam that's like really the main character of oh, those yeah. books. Uh, it's a lot of the stories like told from Sam's point of view. 
because Frodo is just like in this super, super deep depression and comes back like having been wounded several times. Like he got stabbed in the shoulder. He had like his finger bitten off. Like these horrible things happened to him. And he Dude has, get fucked up. He yeah. has like incredible PTSD. He wakes up and like shivers on like the night, on like the anniversary of him getting stabbed in the shoulder and shit like that. To the point where he eventually just actually leaves the leaves Middle Earth altogether and goes to the Grey Havens. Um, so that was really interesting to read about. Uh, just that, like the the, and then then you know I I am working on this project in the middle in the middle of going back through and listening to these like on audiobook, you know. Yeah. Because uh, I have like the opportunity to do that a lot at my job, and it's interesting to really like having gone through the series so many times at this point and really trying to like focus on super specific like factors uh like interesting thing they only ever mention money one time in the trilogy like they only ever interact with money one time it's when they buy a horse in brie after they like get uh, after they like hide out from the ring rates it's the only time money's ever mentioned it's the only time coin ever changes hands really yep that's it never happens in the rest of the story I really like trying to, like, one of the things I listen to all the time now and I or, and like look for whenever I go back through, whether it be reading or listening to it, is trying to paint the, like, the recent history in Lord of the Rings, the recent history in Middle-earth. Because if you want, like, all of the epic old history about, like, the Numenorians coming to the... Uh, coming to middle earth and like the elves and even all the way back to the actual like creation of the universe that's covered ad nauseum in the Silmarillion. yeah however the like 50 to 100 years predating the fucking uh the trilogy are incredibly interesting to me um like the time that bilbo would be on his adventures in the hobbit at that same time like I'm not sure if you remember how many people were like are super experienced with this, but there's a period in the Hobbit where Gandalf just is like, "Yep, oh, I gotta go." Like, yeah, he's gotta go talk to the council. Yeah, and yeah. what and what the what the the White Council is doing is they're they're uh, oh god, what's the name of the uh, the tower in Mirkwood? Dal Guldor or something like that. Dal Guldor. There's like this. Uh, there's there's a necromancer. In Mirkwood. And yes. so the White Council is coming together to drive him out of Mirkwood. And that's Sauron. And they drive Sauron out of, like, this fastness in Mirkwood. And he retreats to Mordor and sets up shop there. And, like, that's, that, that, that is the beginning of, like, the setup for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Also, in, like, that time period, you know, Aragorn talks about, or that people say of Aragorn, I can't remember which, maybe both in the trilogy. Uh, Aragorn tells stories, people telling stories about him that he's like one of the only humans to ever really like span the continent of middle earth. Like he's gone from the Dunlands to like far Harad where like the Haradrim come from the, like the, the, the ports of the Corsairs, the, the land of the Easterlings, like all these places. Yeah. And him and Gandalf apparently have gone on a lot of these adventures together. I want to know about that history. That, would that be sounds cool. really cool. Um, so at the, in the council in the first book of like the fellowship of the ring, uh, Gloin, whenever he's talking about the, like, you know, it's one of the things that you really miss out on in the movies is, like, the little glimpses you get into the extended universe of, like, Middle-Earth. Um, in the White... In, in the Council and the Fellowship of the Ring, Council of Elrond, like, all of the different representatives there 
kind of chime in about what's going on in their part of the world also. It's kind of how you get learned, like, well, what's happening with Dane and, like, the Dwarves of the Lonely Mountain, like, after Bilbo left, you know, and went back home. Like, uh, Gloin talks about that. And, like, uh, and everyone, everyone there at that council basically was summoned by, like, really prophetic, like, strange things happening. Yeah. Like, uh, Boromir and his family had, like, a series of dreams about, uh, about Alindel's Bane and, like, the halfling coming forth and things like that. Uh, the the Dwarves of Lonely Mountain, which I'm about to talk about, or, 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 or show up to, to, to report what I'm about to talk about, and the uh, uh, elves of where of, of Mirkwood, where Legolas comes from, are there to report that Gollum, who they were holding captive, escaped like a while back. Yeah, like they're all coming to like seek counsel from Elrond. They just happen to all convene at his house in the same period. And so they all sit down and they had this big council to like work out like obviously we're all here as part of like the same overarching struggle. Something's going on and we all yeah. are on it. Yeah. And Gloin talks about how like 30 years before this council, a sudden like change came over the, the dwarves of the Lonely Mountain. Like they were very happy sitting there reclaiming their like their 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 lost home and rebuilding after like the destruction of smog and how in the Danelands outside where uh, uh, like the, the, the human like uh, city that was on the water at the foot of the lonely mountains out there is like flourishing. Also, they were approached by a emissary of Sauron who like offered them like a deal to, you know, pay fealty to Sauron. They like delayed him, delayed him and delayed him. So they came partially to the council to talk about that. Yeah. They sent, like, Gloin from the Lonely Mountain and, like, his son Gimli and, like, a couple other people to, like, you know, discuss that. But also the fact that this change had come over the dwarves of the Lonely Mountain. And 30 years ago, Gloin, and, and, or not Gloin, um, Balin and a, like, a, a company of dwarves set out from the Lonely Mountain to go reclaim Moria. Yeah. And... They get to Moria, and the like. The Lonely Mountain receives messengers from Moria for the first like three or four years, and then they just drop off. And there is a like ten, fifteen year long, like years long siege of Moria as like this small company of dwarves gets driven from like hall to hall, level to level, by this army of orcs. And like you know, the big fucking uh, the the Balrog, like, yeah, like yeah, Durin's Bane, and I want to read about that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds really cool. You know, they touch on it a little bit in the uh, in the in the, in the novel. Like they they find the like the record of uh, yeah, they, they they even show that in the movie of like yeah. these are Gimli's family. Really well done in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but so like stuff like that, you know, I want to I, I want to read about these like dwarves like voyage to the lonely to the to uh, the mines of Moria, and you know their eventual downfall. Like that sounds really interesting. It's also kind. Of, here's an interesting thing. So, Alindel's bane, right, is the, the One Ring. Yeah. Okay. So Alindel had a bane. Was a ring. Gets killed by an orc archer. Okay. Durin's Bane is the Balrog. Balin, who, like, goes back to reclaim Mines of Moria, also gets killed by an orc archer. 
like he's at, he's outside in some like field like by like this historic like dwarven pond and just gets sniped by an orc archer and it's like the start of the siege of uh, Moria. What the fuck? Yeah, like I don't like it's this weird like I don't know if that has any significance at all, but like yeah, that's a thing. So Boromir No, he dies by Orakai, never mind. Well, Boromir is also tempted by the fucking ring and also right. gets killed by a bunch of fucking arrows. Right, right, but yeah. it's not an orc archer, though. Well, Urukai, orcs, yeah. kind of same thing. So that's something I've always been really interested in, was the origin of the Orakai. Yeah. And how they're like... So something I, I never really understood properly was, are they a cursed race of elves that, that owe this fealty, or... Are they just evil elves? Like I think they are corrupted elves. Okay. Um, and I, I think I think the traditional orcs are corrupted elves, yeah. and the urukai are some blending of like some like race of men and orcs, like like blending those two together. I think they're like a manufactured race. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And I think they even touch on that a little bit in uh in the movies at least. They show them like digging up urukai and yeah. like uh you know kind of like forging them and shit like yeah the urukai are like these bioengineered super soldiers because Sauron or Saruman is kind of like the only scientifically minded person yeah. in all of Middle Earth you know he's really into machines and gadgets and he was like the leader of the White Council because he was foremost in, in Ringalore like yeah, Lady Galadriel, man, she tried to make Gandalf the head of the White Council, and she got undermined. Tried real hard. Should have been Gandalf. So, I, I guess my next question now that we're talking about wizards, you want you want to talk about the wizards and how nuts that is? Yeah, it was, it's one of those things where it feels like there should be a lot to say, and there probably is. But you know, you had you had uh, Gandalf the Grey, mm-hmm. who was like. It seems like the reason for his existence is he's the main antagonist of Sauron. Yeah. Like, he, he's there to be, like, Sauron's eternal, well, like, they're, combatant. They're, they're all pretty much incarnations of angels from different gods, right? I believe so. Well, I, 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 I'm not entirely sure about that, because... Uh, I think it's the Iluvatar who are like the 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 second highest like gods in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like there's there's the All Father like style god who created the like universe and all the different like chords of harmony. And then it was Melkor who like saw it and decided he wanted to be the like foremost note and like st- therefore like accidentally struck the chord or intentionally struck the chord of discord. And like created shadow and like anger and like evil yeah. in the universe. And then in some way, uh, some way Morgoth is, is a descendant from him, and Sauron is a descendant from him also. So like I don't know what the exact lineages okay. of those people. Um, but yeah, the I think the 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 wizards are basically like they're not so much angels as they are like earthly tools. Yeah, they might be like angels, but I think Gandalf's basically there to yeah. Him, him, and Sauron are supposed to be uh, equals, I believe. Yeah, but uh, I yeah. mean, it even shows that with Gandalf's rebirth. Yep, is what Sauron, Sar- Saruman should have been. Yeah, yeah. Saruman went from being Saruman the White and the Wise to like fucking 
rainbow flag, gay pride Saruman, and like that's cool and all, but you can't have all the colors. You just gotta choose one. Yeah. Silly Saruman. You have Radagast the Brown, the fucking the hippie. God bless Radagast yeah. the Brown. Yep, it, it's fucking weird. Again, like poor guys had so much lore developed around him for having almost nothing really written down about him in the series. Like, there's not a lot. And then the epitome of that is definitely the Blue Wizards, who, like... They just went off. They were like, all right, we're good. They exist. They exist. But they just dipped out. That's that's it. Yeah. We know they exist. So, But it's kind of like, you know, there's, there's, there's that's, that's another thing that Tolkien kind of innovated was leaving intentional space for mystery. Yeah. In his works, you even see that even in things like War, the Warhammer 40,000, like where in the like the history during the Horus Heresy, like the the, the 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 20 or before the Horus Heresy, like the 20 big Space Marine legions were founded, but only 18 of the 20 are known and like two two have been quote unquote like scrubbed from the records. In uh, in in the uh, the lore, but the, like that's also just inti- like Games Workshop has acknowledged that that's there, just provides space for imagination. Okay. Like the idea of the idea that like you know the more exhaustively you document a world, a fictional world, the kind of like more you need to artificially create a little bit of like mystery. Yeah. And Tom Bombadil. Tom oh Bombadil. So Tom Bombadil is a fucking reference to a character. From Tolkien's like earlier poetry and stories that he made for his kids and shit, he's literally just a dope ass reference to like some child, like some kids' stories he used to tell his kids. Like, and he's also there to be like an unanswerable question, but like there's 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 a reason he doesn't make any sense. So they they run into Tom Bombadil at the Prancing Pony, right? No, no. Uh, they they run into Tom Bombadil uh, before then. So in yeah, so they leave the Shire. The four hobbits leave the Shire, and they are going through the like forest. Yeah, outside, and it's like an enchanted forest. It's supposed to be the same kind of forest that a uh, treebeard, like it's like an old Entish forest where like the trees are like half alive and shit. And they there's this old man Willow. This big fucking jerk tree lives by the Willy Wendell River. <laughs> Again, these are references to like 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 kids poems it. he made. I love you know, it. yeah, yeah, the Willy Wendell and like Old Man Willow. And so they're like wandering through this forest, and Old Man Willow like conspires to lead them down to this like water, like the where he's at, the water's edge of the Willy Wendell River, river or the Whittle Wendell or something like that. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, cast a spell on all these hobbits, and they pass out. And then, like, Frodo is like wakes up. He's on like the side of this like fucking this like beach. He's just by this tree root. He's just like really groggy. He's like, whoa, what's going on? Why am I so sleepy? What's happening? And this tree <laughs> knocks him in the water and tries to fucking drown him. Yeah. And, and Sam's like, what the fuck, bro? At the same time, a lot of things happen all at once. Like Mary and Pippin disappear, and Sam's like. What the fuck goes in like pulls fucking like Frodo after him under the water. Frodo comes out like they see that like one Mary or Pippin. One of them's like getting squashed under a root and the other one's like disappeared into the tree. Like the tree's like closed in on him. So sort of like what like, happens in the actual forest to them both. Yeah. Yeah. And like then like they're, they're screaming like they're like blah, 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 blah. 
And Frodo and Sam are like, no, we got to make a fire. They make a fire. They try to threaten the tree. The tree crushes their boys a little bit. And they're like, oh, no, I don't do that. He's going to crush us. And Frodo's like, oh, help, help. What do, I, what do we do? Oh, God, someone help. And then here comes fucking Tom Bombadil. <laughs> like, like that, 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 that's his intro. Like, fucking, oh, man, I wish we had time and actually prepared for these podcasts. I could pull up, like, the fucking... Uh, the, actually, do you want do you, do you want do you want to pause for a second so I can find like yeah. Tom Bombadil singing? Yeah, no, All this right. is great. I love it. All right. So, so that was so Tom Bombadil singing. Yeah, and so I just wanted to look this up. This is the audiobook I have from Audible about Lord of the Rings. So we're just gonna listen to like a little bit, like the introduction of Tom Bombadil in here because it's just it's it's just quality. So I have no idea how good this audio quality is gonna be. We're just gonna see. It may suck horribly, but okay, yeah, figure it out. H- hit it. Sam But Frodo, without any clear idea of why he did so, or what he hoped for, ran along the path crying, Help! 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 It seemed to him that he could hardly hear the sound of his own shrill voice. It was blown away from him by the willow wind and drowned in a clamor of leaves as soon as the words left his mouth. He felt desperate, lost and witless. Suddenly he stopped. There was an answer, or so he thought. But it seemed to come from behind him, away down the path further back in the forest. He turned round and listened, and soon there could be no doubt. Someone was singing a song. A deep, glad voice was singing carelessly and happily, but it was singing nonsense. Hey, doll, merry doll, ring-a-dong, dillo, ring-a-dong, hop along, fell out the willow, tom bum jolly tom Half hopeful and half afraid of some new danger, Frodo and Sam now both stood still. Suddenly, out of a long string of nonsense words, or so they seemed, the voice rose up loud and clear and burst into this song. Hey, come a merry doll, dairy doll, my darling. Light goes the weather wind and the feathered starling. Down along under hill, shining in the sunlight, waiting on the doorstep for the cold starlight. There my pretty lady is, river woman's daughter. Send her as a willow wand, clearer than the water. Old Tom Bombadil, water lilies bringing, comes hopping home again. Again. Can you hear him singing? Hey, come, merry doll, dilly doll, and merry all, gold berry, gold berry, merry yellow berry, oh, poor old willow man, you tuck your roots away. Tom's in a hurry now, evening of holiday. Tom's going home again, water lilies bringing. Hey, come, dilly doll, can you hear me singing? Yeah, that's that. Oh, that yeah. was a that was a whole ass fucking song. Yeah, the 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 the, the guy the 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 the, the recorder record, like he sings all the songs in the book, like, uh, every I, single one. Every moment of that was just so enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like when I when I first started listening to this, I was like, <sighs> part of me just wanted to like skip over the songs at first, and then you know, it's kind of cringy. Then I'm like, no, let's fucking let's get into this. Yeah, and, like like it's really charming. And then, like some of it's really powerful, like whenever they they send Aragorn or uh, Boromir over the Falls of Raros, like when they bury him, and like they sing this song, 
about the like the the the, the wind of the di- like the wind of the east and the wind of the north and like all these different like winds out of different directions carrying the like news of Boromir's like passing and it's really like it's really really sad and it sounds yeah. eerily close to the uh, the death of the or the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot that like that really depressing ass song sounds very similar to that and like kind of got me choked up <laughs> i love it i love it so much yeah, I, I i really need to get uh audible really needs to sponsor this podcast yeah, dude, i love audible so that way i can start listening to books don't even gotta like don't even gotta like you know lie to you it's probably the best subscription service that i have and uh you know if you like listening to people talk into a microphone you should listen to people who are professionals that talking into microphones do it and tell you stories yeah it's really good god (laughs) sorry i keep thinking about that song it's real good yeah like the the the, uh, like 90 percent of tom bombadil's like voice parts like or his like dialogue is in verse and he's not always singing, but he's almost always talking in verse. <laughs> like, yeah, e- e- even in, like, just conversation, he's constantly just dropping rhymes on people. Dude, imagine if Tolkien God, was born in, like, 1970 in, like, fucking, like, Compton, California. And grew up, like, writing, like, fucking rhymes. That, that, that would be nuts. Yeah, dude. Fucking, like, 20-year-old 1990s fucking Tolkien angry about it coming up with very eloquent and in complex ways to say fuck the police yeah pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. fornicate the constabulary <laughs> i love that i love the when when authors put in small little touch works like that i really do that shit just fucking makes it for me yeah and it's it's in this listening to it on audiobook is the first time i've actually like listen to read whatever like all of the the songs in the fucking book and there's tons of them yeah there's so many and they add so much context to the world but like it, it it's 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 a really big tempo breaker when you're already reading this really dense book to suddenly like shift gears and like read this like you know two and a half page long poem or song or whatever especially because like it's not in an audio format i don't even know if i'm reading like the song correctly or i'm having yeah. a hard time like knowing the meter and pitch of it and everything and the tempo My of it immediate question would have been for that was like did he come up with that tune on his own when you sing it i think i think that there's a lot of archival footage of tolkien singing the like songs from, oh yeah, yeah sick there's also I'll, I'll see if i can find it in the send it to you there's like this uh interview from the 1950s of this like british like bbc interviewer like talking to tolkien about his novels and just trying to roast tolkien the whole time because like tolkien's a philologist right like he's yeah. like he's, he's a master of like language and translations and all of these things and the guy the guy's opening volley of the interview is like well, now that you're done with your fairy tale, you can go back to doing the actual work you've been putting off for so long while you've been writing this thing. And Tolkien's just like, 
the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> like, but he's Tolkien. He's British, so you have to be very polite about it. But like, that's great. The fucking the the, the, the clapbacks and like the fucking the author's notes on like there's author's notes and like prefaces and forwards of all these books. And a lot of it is just Tolkien, like, clapping back at critics. God bless. <laughs> yeah. Like, that whole, like, Rick and Morty line, like, your booze mean nothing to me because I've seen what you people cheer for. He literally just says that in, like, 1950-something about, like, a critic. He's like, yeah, you don't like my work, but I've seen what you review well, and I don't like that shit either, so whatever. <laughs> Why does your critique matter to me? Yeah. <laughs> God bless. Uh, so, but my next question for you would be, how the fuck did our boy lose that lead on Gimli? Like, what the fuck? All right, like, I've, I've, dude. I've, I have passionate thoughts about the whole, like, Legolas, Gimli, Battle of Helm's Deep, like, kill count thing. <sighs> so, fucking Gimli has killed, like, two or three people. And he's like, ah, Legolas, look, look, I got my fucking, I got my UAV kill streak. We're doing real good. <laughs> and Legolas is like, ah, fuck you. I've killed, like, 20 people. And I'm Gimli's like, Gimli, yeah, yeah, Gimli's like, well, fuck you, bro. I'm going to kill a lot more people. But it turns out you can't kill a lot of people with an axe on the top of a castle wall. You sure can't. And then Legolas runs out of arrows. Uh. And Gimli has a fucking axe. Uh. And the wall gets exploded. And a bunch of fucking orcs try to run into the gap. But then all of a sudden, here's this like five foot tall, 300 pound armored clad, like angry dwarf with a double headed axe. And he's just like hewing your boys down. So, at the very end of it, the very end of it, Gimli has, like, just one... They're both in the 30s, and Gimli just has one more kill than Legolas. Like, 36, 35, something like that, right? Yeah. And Gimli's like, ha-ha, I got you by one kill. And everyone's like, how did Legolas blow a 20 to 3 lead? Like, how do you bl- lose that? Well, yeah. the answer is you run out of ammo. But then Legolas still got 15 more fucking confirmed kills with his belt knife and scavenging other arrows. Dude's legend. Yeah, like and it's not like it's not like in the fucking in the movies where he has like two knives and he does all this kung fu shit and like rides his shield down the stairs. He just has one like dagger. It's just like a fucking belt knife. That, that that's like his only melee weapon. No armor and just like fucking kills a shit ton of orcs <laughs> and like steals their fucking arrows out of the air and shoots them back at him and shit. God and, like, bless. So yeah, yeah. It's not. Is, is it really blowing a lead? The lead that really got blown it was Saruman's lead when he was simultaneously running game on Sauron and on the White Council, trying to set himself up to depose both of them. He had like now you can say oh, it was over of like Sauron's overarching evil plan, like whatever. I don't care. As far as anybody could tell, Saruman was like running fucking both of them like idiots. Blew that up, ends up getting fucking stabbed in the neck by a dude literally named Worm in the last like thirty pages of the book. Like series. Like that that's a lead blown. That is a lead blown right there. By God salute the flag. How could this happen? Yeah, for real. <laughs> I I love I love the the visual image that the movie was able to display of them walking up to um What was the place that Sar- Orthonk? No, the place that Saruman had dominion over. Yeah, his big tower. tower. That's Orthonk. Oh, that's Orthonk. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the name of the tower. Isengard's the name. Isengard. Yeah. When the uh, when the fellowships rolling up to Isengard after the ends, just like stuff fucked its shit up. <laughs> yeah. And it's just fucking Merry and Pippin chilling out, 
Smoking eating salted weed. pork, yeah. <laughs> smoking pipe weed, just like, what up? Look what we started. Yeah, and and they're just, just like, like a popple like dick, like he's just like fucking like, what? I, we fucking, we fucking run, we run for fucking like weeks straight across a whole fucking country to find you two fuckers sitting on a castle wall smoking pipe weed? What? <laughs> <laughs> like he's just furious. Like, you want some pork? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to tell you. We, uh, weird things happen. We're taller now, I yeah. guess. We got these cool-ass tree friends. Dude, all right, so here's my favorite Gimli story. So, like, fucking, there's this part in the fucking book where it happens in the movie also. I can't remember if they touch on it, where, like, the uh, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are crossing the fields of Rohan, and they run into a band of the Rohirrim. Yeah. And they, like, flag him down to ask for news, and the Rohirrim, who just got done murking, like, a few hundred orcs, they're like still keyed the fuck up. They're combat jacked, and like they fucking like circle up this, these three dudes, and their fucking leader gets off his horse and is like, "The fuck y'all doing in this part of the world? I don't like what was some fucking weird people. What, what are you guys doing?" And it's kind of a dick to him. And Aragorn's like kind of trying to be cool, and like mentions they've been through like the Lady Galadriel's realm and like met like the woman of the wood, and the guys just and this is like after like Gimli is like just fucking. Head over, he, dude. Gimli wants to fuck that elf. Yeah, like he asks her for her hair, bro. Like Gimli I asked is her for a, one strand. She gave me three. <laughs> Gimli wants it. He's so into it. Like <laughs> simping so hard for Galadriel. You get it, old then, man. And then like fucking uh, the, the leader. I can't remember the dude's name. The leader of this like band of the Rohirrim is like, oh well, nobody goes into that fucking wood. Is like is unchanged. And we've heard like a lot of fucking horrible stories of Lady of the Wood. And Gimli is like fuck you and like like draws his axe <laughs> and it's just like i will kill you right now if you if you say like if you say another bad thing about the most beautiful woman i've ever seen <laughs> like he's like i will fucking go right now and the dude like draws his fucking sword and legless like knocks an arrow and aragorn's like fucking chill everyone chill out like fucking and like gimli's like mm, like they're real mad at each other and so like they're getting ready to leave and uh gimli's like don't forget you and i we got we got unresolved business and the guy's like, well, you know, I've already learned so many weird-ass things and met so many weird-ass people that, like, he says something like, learning fair speech under the loving strokes of a dwarf's axe shouldn't be out of reach or beyond reality or something like that. And so then at, like, the very end of the fucking series, at, like, fucking uh, Aragorn's wedding, like they're, they're, like, they're all, like, feasting and, like, getting drunk. And, like, the same, like, captain of the Rohirrim finds Gimli and walks over and, like, taps Gimli on the shoulder and he goes... Hey, you know, you and I, we uh, we still have that unresolved business. And Gimli just goes, all right, stands up. I'll get my fucking axe. <laughs> goes, goes to get it. And the guy's just like, no, 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 no. I was just, I was just saying, like, maybe we can't agree that she's the most beautiful woman in the world. But we can definitely agree that that, that hot elf chick over there is definitely the most beautiful woman in the world. And Gimli's like, fair. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so ready to fucking bang over Galadriel like all day long. Dude. I love him so yeah. much. His <sighs> wholesome ass Gimli. He's pretty wholesome throughout the entire series, and he also just has like my favorite response to things. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, your guys' stuff didn't work. Have well, you tried just beating the fuck out of it <laughs> with an axe? Yeah, again, that, that's well, a movie. Out of ten times it works. Yeah, yeah, that's a movie exclusive bit. But it's one of those things where if you're, like, really into, like, the spirit of Lord of the Rings and, like, real, like, 
uh, it's one of those small things you get mad about if you want to. However, if you recognize that the Council of Elrond is like almost two chapters long in the book, and in the movie they have like ten minutes, if that. Yeah, like ten, fifteen minutes at most in this one location to get through the Council of Elrond, the reunification of Bilbo and Frodo, like fucking. Uh, 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 Arwen, like starting the Arwen Aragorn, like like love arc shit, like that. They have a very short time to get those things done. It's much more eye catching and exhilarating to watch Gimli break his fucking axe on this ring. And so that's one of the things where like there's a few things I don't like about the movies. I think they kind of assassinate Gimli and fucking uh, Sam's characters a little bit. Yeah, like Sam is not nearly as much of a bumbling like countrified idiot. In the fucking uh, the books as he is in the in the movies, like in the movies, like it turns out that Sam has like a pretty amazing memory and capacity for like history and song and coming up with like his own like verses and shit. Like you, you know, there's been like several times where the party's just like, "Oh, Sam, we know you got it. We know you got it. You're just you're just shy. And he's you like, got a banger, Sam. <laughs> yeah, like to try to get him to like sing and come up with like music and everything. So, but again. I can like complain about that or just recognize that's the kind of thing you have to do whenever you're transforming a novel like that into a movie. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta make things more packageable. Dune and Dine. The fuck up with that. Where are they at? Where have they been? Who were they? Uh, the, so the Dunedain are the last surviving, uh, members of the Numenors, Numenorians. And so you have middle earth. And if I remember correctly, the elves came from like the western shores from like the elvish continent and i believe the numenorians were the first race of men that came from a different like landing a different shore and they were a pretty like heroic race of men they could live for hundreds of years um they had like you know they 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 were you really see this distinction in Lord of the Rings. It's kind of almost racist a little bit between these Numenorean men who are like the master race of humanity. And then everyone else below that is kind of judged upon their level of mixing with the Numenorians, at yeah. least as far as like Middle Earth is concerned. You know, the Haradrim and the Easterlings, they don't like fucking care about that. Right. But they're also referred to as like lesser men. Um, some like characters that you don't see in the movies at all are like Hanbury Han, the like chief of the chief of the like wildlings that live uh, in the mountains of Rohan, between Rohan and uh, uh, Minas Tirith and Gondor, and you know they're this like barbaric race, like this barbaric tribe of men that's that's depicted as like being squat and ugly and idiotic, hardly understanding like common speech, talking like very like. Very, like, uh, uh, super racist, uh, you know, how they used to depict, like, Native American people speaking in, like, old yeah. westerns. Kind of talking like that and shit. And it's referenced that, you know, that they're, they're, like, a lesser race of men, which means that they're not, you know, blessed by Numenorean heritage. Mm. So that's kind of a weird overtone. And, like, Tolkien says that there's supposed to be no analogy in the book at all. That there's not supposed to be any overarching themes. Uh, so like 
we shouldn't be trying to say like there's a racist overtone here because that wasn't like Tolkien's intent. However, I think very few authors go into a writing project knowing all of the themes that are going to be projecting on the other side. Yeah, you know, so maybe there's some weird shit going on there we should look at. But uh, yeah, so the Dunedain are after after the fall of like the Numenorean kingdoms. the Dunedain are like the last remnants of uh, the like direct heirs of Isildur and Elendil and uh, the Numenorean like kings, the kings of the West. And yep, there's like a bastion of that, and the Dunlands where they come from, the Rangers come from, and there's another bastion of that bloodline in uh, Gondor and Minas Tirith. And yeah, there's like oh god, the fucking. Like the prince of Dol Amaroth, I can't remember his name, but uh, he's like supposed to be of like Numenorean descent. He's he's like depicted as like this beautiful, flowing haired, like yeah. majestic captain of like armies and shit. So yeah, that's that that's who they be. Okay, I've, I've always just been kind of curious about yeah, them. I'd like to know more about them, but uh, there's not a lot written, you know. Yeah, and there, there's a lot written. But, like, the Silmarillion is covering such a, like, vast period of time in a pretty short book, like, all things considered. The Silmarillion's not a very big, like, text, you know? Like, especially, like, I've read all the Stormlight Archive books. Those clock in between, like, 1,400, 1,500 pages. But they also, like, fly by. Right. Silmarillion does not. Like, every other word is, like, a name or a place or a period in time that's, like, at the dawn of the first age, Fingalfile from the elvish kingdom of blah, 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 by the port of blah, 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 and the river blah, 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 that the Numenors knew as blah, 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 but the dwarves call blah, 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 for it flew, it floods out from the foothills of the blah, blah mountain range where the ancient dwarven king blah, 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 first set his foot down and, like... Fuck! <laughs> get, get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> Help me understand. Uh, That's what I'm here for. So, yeah. Crack open a cold one. Take your time. Read the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's good for you. Read more. Read more fiction. Yeah, read more fiction. Read the Stormlight Archive, and you want people to talk to you about it. The Stormlight Archive is fantastic. It's amazing. We can do a fucking Stormlight cast in November because there's there's two very important things happening in November. An order of importance. Hit me with them. The fourth Stormlight Archive book's getting released. Oh, boy. And there's a presidential election. Oh, God, yeah, I keep forgetting that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I keep, I, my, I've, 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 I've recently fallen into this hole of um, just thinking everything's going to end soon. Not like the world ending, but like systems built in it. And so I just keep forgetting that actual political events are happening. Yep. And it's really weird. It's a weird place to be. Well, it's the strength of the country, right? Like, regardless of all this chaos going on, like, the cycle continues, life goes on, the system is, is like, upheld. Yeah. Do you need to update your voter information? I do. I do. Change your party, change your address. I needed to, I was meaning to contact you about that. My voter registration is out of date. I I got him in the car, baby. Hell yeah, you're going to need to dap me up with one of those boys. Especially now that I'm all, like, legal and stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Well, dang, all right. That was, you know, this was, was a good amount of yeah, lore low, spilling. Low energy, low energy, rambling podcast. Hey, I'm that's down fine. for it. Sometimes it's just what we got to do. I'm beat today, man. Yeah, I can imagine. You were up early. 
Well, I went back to bed. <laughs> oh, fair. <laughs> my, my day was wake up, take the dog for a walk around with Fortune Park, come home, sleep, wake up, do schoolwork, go eat food, come home, sleep. Now I'm here. There you go. Yeah. That's a good way to be. It's been my whole god dang day. This is one last thing we got to do. Sure. Let's go. There is a young gentleman who messaged our page. Oh, yeah. We're going to listen to a mixtape, We're right? going to listen to a mixtape. And it's a mixtape by a guy named Nate Sounds. And that, <laughs> his name is Nate. So I got kind of excited. Yeah, he's like, in. Oh. He's in. We'll, we'll, so we'll signal boost. We're going to listen to it real quick. And we're going to, I'd just like to preface this. This is going to be an unfettered review. This is going to be like, you're not, no, no, no punches held. Although I do think that we should imply the thorns and roses. If you're going to talk about bad stuff, I'll also talk about good stuff. I'm just going to talk about it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to qualify my statements before I make them. Eh, okay, fair. All right, so we're going to listen to that real quick, and we'll be right back with you guys. There will be a link in the description of uh, where you can find this mixtape if you want to also make your own judgments on it. As it is a subjective music. Yeah, can we just like can we just like drop in his music at like the end of this bit and like just I'll message him about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Send us a link, bro. We'll fuck it. Oh, he sent yeah, he sent one. Alright, well yeah. let's, let's do it. Alright, alright. We'll be right back. Uh what do you think? I I wanted to like it. Yeah? Um What does that mean you wanted to like it? I wanted to like it because I think I have biases about, you know, somebody reaching out and it's our first review of something that somebody's reaching out about. Um, well, I think that would make you want to roast it. A little bit. <laughs> I kind of do. Uh, well, so that's, that's just like, to be fair, that's, 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 that's all right. So that's like the feeling that I think you normally get is like, all right, SoundCloud rapper, let me hear your fucking track. It's that there's that. It's, it's not just that. It's just I've heard a few mixtapes. And something that I've come to recognize in like people who are trying to start off is they think they have to have a word for every beat. You don't have to. You don't have to rap at the speed of the tempo of the beat you're doing. Yeah, uh, man. So to be fair, though, there is like an entire you know like the Kansas City like chopper style rap, like Tech Nine and shit like that. That's kind of yeah. the, that's kind of the vibe I got in the the opening like probably ninety seconds like the opening like few verses of it. Uh, I think you know I think it's definitely I think it has more potential than I would have like if somebody just told me like hey listen to the SoundCloud rapper I'm immediately primed to be like that's bullshit. Yeah. This was this this was this was above the bar of quality based upon what I was expecting. Okay. It's better than what I was expecting. And I think that it's really like I have no I have no metric to measure this by, but I think the guy like has a lot of talent when it comes to the writing of these things. Yeah, there's, no, there's you a definitely few, picked up on that. There's a few sections where like we'd have to, I'd love to sit down with him and go through like point by point the parts that I'm talking about. There's like probably three or four moments like parts in that song that I saw where he's transitioning from verse to verse, where it just it's kind of awkward. Yeah. It, yeah. Having gotten very drunk with my roommate and his brother and them talking me into freestyling one night. <laughs> that's something that happened, by the way. And yeah, I've, I still feel so much shame about it. But um, that transition part is really difficult to 
not only on the fly figure out, but I can imagine writing wise just to get it thematically. Yeah, and for sure. Good. That, that's why. That's why there seems to be when it comes to producing music, especially like hip hop music, almost kind of like a mentorship yeah. thing that happens. Where we'll have somebody come in who's been doing it for a while, or at least a producer who's been doing it for a while, that can come in and be like, "All right, you're great, but you're like seventy percent of the way there, and the last thirty percent of this could be just polish." Or it could be it's just bad material that we're working with. Yeah, I think I think that if I I think that I would say what the 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 song is a good starting point. I think that if he would go through and work out those like awkward transitions a little bit, which I think maybe coming from that idea of trying to hit a note like hit a beat every single word he says. Yeah, that might be fine. Like you know take 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 those transitions maybe kind of flip it on its head where instead of trying to like hit the fucking beats all the way through it, take a moment back and speak a little bit slower and then like restart again. Like yeah. take, 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 take you know, a half step back, something like that, you know, keep, 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 keep me engaged because of the, so aside from the awkward transitions, it was very monologue, very monotone. Yeah. Like give me some kind of like a big tempo break. Like, you know, uh, I, I heard once that like a lot of music is, you, a lot of like what makes music good, quote unquote, is you are hearing like a beat, a repetitive beat, and so you're constantly get your your brain's constantly getting what it's what it has expectations for, with a uh, an allotted amount of variance layered in on top of that. So there's a little bit of like variance up and down. So for example, you could be having that same beat going in the background. But then, like, uh, oh, there's a great Tech Nine song I can show you about this. Like, he's rapping, 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 rapping really fast, really fast, really fast, really fast, really fast. Then he says, like, a sentence really, really, really slow, and the beat doesn't change. Just instead of emphasizing a word every single beat strike, it becomes, like, every fourth beat strike. Yeah. Like, instead of boom, 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 it goes boom, da, 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 da. Boom, da, 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 da. boom, da, da, yeah. da, da, da. And then right back into the really, really, really fast rapping. And so, yeah. I, I think my suggestion for this guy would be um, study dudes like Afro and R.A. the Rugged Man. Yeah, if you're, if you're trying to do that fast style of like chopper rap, that's the way to go right there. I would say definitely, yeah, definitely practice their style because not only are you going to better develop yourself linguistically for doing fast rap, and being able to enunciate better and convey what you're saying yeah. better, um, they also do that whole. Uh, their their most recent song I listened to. Oh God, what was it? It was it's off a of rugged uh, R.A. Rugged Man's new album. He had Afro on there, um, but it's they're they're making fun of people who rap very fast. Yeah. Um, by slowly building up, and then rapping super fucking fast because they're right. really good at it. And they're making fun of the whole genre and everything, but it's a really good example of how to like build up to that and like the tempo changes, yeah. keep someone engaged. Uh, yeah, so I would say also that one thing that could help maybe like shine up a couple of Nate sounds, like uh, the couple of the rough patches we've seen, is I'm not sure if if he's collaborating with anybody, right? And I think that's probably a place that you should be going. Um, I think that you know if if he's if he's gotten this far with zero collaboration. Then, like, collaborating with somebody, like, sitting down, working out, like, lyrics with someone, working out beats with someone, you know, get a, get another influence, another pair of eyes on your product, and maybe that'll, like, kind of polish over. Maybe you and somebody else can come together, fix each other's blind spots, and even if you don't, like, stay together and form, like, a group or rap together all the time, you can still move forward with that knowledge, you know? Yeah. So, like, and if you need somebody to tell you, I think your product is good enough that you should be reaching it out and showing it to other people for like further uh, further review and refinement 
I'll tell it to you, Nate Sounds. I think that, I think that's good enough. I think that you should be going out there presenting that to other people who are doing the same thing that you're doing at like a similar level or way beyond your level and saying like, hey, want to work with me on this? Like, here's what I got. What do you think? Because like I can give you my opinion, but I, I have no technical expertise to really sit down and tell you like, oh, yeah, you can fix. I, I can tell you what I think needs to be fixed, but I can't tell you how to fix it and the best way to do it. So, yeah, yeah. Definitely keep going, man. Yeah, keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. You got, you got, you got chops. And, you and got hit bones. Hit us up. Hit us up. Well, like, I want to yeah. know. I want to know. I want to know more about it. How long have you been doing it? Or have you been doing this mostly on your own? Like, because like it's one of those things where you know if you've been doing this for like six months all by yourself, that'd be incredible. And yeah. that would like that would that would tailor my like feedback. If you've been doing this for like ten years. That would tailor like my feedback and like yeah. what I would tell you to do next. But I don't know. Give us a little bit more of your story. Like I guess we'll yeah. probably shoot you a message back here in a little bit and let you know that you know we, the timestamp of the podcast where you can listen to us talk about it. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Do all that. Thanks for sending that in, my guy. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, also, in the whole letting us know, keep us up to date, up to date on new projects. That way, I, I would love to see where you go with everything yeah, and how we'll you do keep, with everything. We'll keep checking it out, man. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right. Well, we have reached the passive hour mark. Um, eh, seems good. Yeah, seems all right. Yeah, nice little bite-sized one this time around. Uh, especially for like, I'm so tired. Yeah, <laughs> I had I had a rough night last yeah. night. Yeah, I get you. Um, well, uh, with that, I've been Nate. I've also been Nate, and this has been Nate squared. Thank you again for listening. Please, uh, you know, do the thing with the social media or whatever. Um. Love oh yeah, and thank you to everybody who's found our cast here recently. Yeah, page has been growing. That's been interesting. Been nice to see. Yeah. I know that like a lot of those invites you've been getting expanded have been coming from me because if you interact with our page at all, I'm going to mash that invite all about the yeah. like the page. So thank you for doing that. Uh, thanks for keeping us in the loop and making us a little part of your, your daily media consumption. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. All right, you all. You all stay safe. You know, be good. Not too good though, because then everything's got balance. You out can't again. be good. Be sexy. Or just be better. <laughs> just be better. <laughs> there we go. All right. Y'all have a good one. <laughs>